Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> Wanted Tour Guide Written by Ali Habashi Narrated by Harry Dobby I stared into the empty sockets through the thin V-shaped jawbone and straight down into the delicate curling ribcage It was near closing time, but I still glanced around before leaning closer to the three-foot-tall Bambi-Raptor Feinbergi fossil. Hello, Bambi, I whispered through a smile. My fingers itched to trace the twig-like jumble of bones from the tip of its dark skull all the way down its spine, where a line of feathers might have grown about 80 million years ago. Bambi certainly wasn't one of the most impressive fossils on display at the Rocky Mountain Dinosaur Resource Center at first glance, especially after having walked beneath the winding grandeur of the massive Tylosaurus suspended from the ceiling, its teeth clamped down in frozen violence on another unfortunate fossil. What made Bambi special was not something as obvious as size. I tore my eyes away from the empty gaze of my favorite display and walked in the direction of the lab. The skulls were watching me, or at least the real ones were. I nodded subtly to some, grinned happily at others, and smirked at the towering figure of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I wondered absently if the museum staff had found the rusty stains on its plastic bones yet. I thought not. I would miss these fossils. The start of my freshman year at the University of Colorado Boulder was only a few weeks away. 
but if I were being perfectly honest, the only reason I was planning to go was so that I could eventually return home to Woodland Park, home to this museum. The looming promise of the years away from this place were a weight on me, heavier even than the steel hidden beneath the bones and replicas of my ancient friends. Still, an undergraduate degree in ecology and evolutionary biology was one step closer to acquiring a job in the museum's coveted paleontology laboratory. The lab at the Resource Center is generously exposed to the public, so anyone can watch the scientists work on preparing and restoring fossils, chipping away at dirt only to fill the unsightly gaps with glue and putty. I've watched them mold for hours, prodding at mud-colored clay and drizzling thick silicon until they have a usable cast, fit for a perfect plastic fake. I wish that there weren't so many of the plastic imposters in my paradise, but there was no avoiding them. Without the ability to recreate rare fossils, the dinosaur exhibitions in museums would be sparse to say the least, and the intimidating displays that towered over visitors would be reduced down to the barest remains. Like unfinished puzzles. But the plastic simply didn't respond like the fossils did. It was missing its pull. The steel that served as a second skeleton for the displays luckily did not have the same resistance. Or else I might never have been able to bond properly with my prehistoric pets. I had always been able to tell the difference between which bones were fakes and which were authentic, ever since the first time I visited the museum as a little girl. I remember being astounded by the way the fossils had called out to me, the way my fingers itched to touch them, the way my blood felt hot under my skin, the way my own bones seemed to hum in response. Eight-year-old heart beating erratically from the sensory overload and breath coming in short little puffs. I followed the tour guide in a trance, eyes flicking from one skull to the next as I felt them tug. This is called a Thesclelosaurus, explained our tour guide. It lived at the same time that the T-Rexes and the Triceratops did, and it's not real. I had frowned in disappointment. The skeleton before us was missing the allure that all the others had. That silent siren song that rushed through me from the moment I had entered the museum. It isn't made of bones. The tour guide had smiled that smile that adults reserve for particularly obnoxious children. Well, some of the fossils are bones that our paleontologists found when they were out digging. But some are made of plastic, so we can show you what all sorts of dinosaurs looked like in the past. Even ones that lived far away, or ones that are really rare. But none of the skeleton is real, I pouted. Can we see more real skeletons, please? The children around me were nodding in agreement. Plastic wasn't interesting. Well, how about you tell me which one of the real skeletons you want me to tell you about? In hindsight, I'm sure that this question was meant a trap, so that I would admit that actually I had no idea which ones were real, and control of the group would revert back to our tour guide. But... I knew exactly which fossils were genuine, because they had told me so. This way, over here, 
I waved to the children as we dashed towards one of the dinosaurs we had passed earlier. The loudest one of all. The kids laughed as I thrust my finger at the smallest specimen I could possibly have chosen. This one has a lot of real bones in it, hardly any plastic at all. The kids swarmed closer and the tour guide blinked in surprise. That... that is the Bambiraptor, he said. It is a raptor, and it is also one of the most complete raptor skeletons ever found. You're right. I smiled that smile the children reserve for particularly obnoxious adults. When he began to usher us away, I hesitated and stared at the little skeleton. It really was very loud. The skull snapped toward me. No one had touched it. There had only been the slight crackling creak from the steel twisting in its neck, and then the sockets were bearing down on me. My lips quirked in an excited smile, and Bambi's sharp jaw twitched in response. What did you do? The tour guide was back, glancing frantically between the little skeleton and I. Nothing. You should know better than to touch the fossils. What is your name? Maddie. Well, Maddie, you were in big trouble. Stay right there till I go and get someone and don't touch anything. I stuck out my bottom lip as he huffed away and then returned my gaze to Bambi. I don't like the tour guide, I told the fossil. The jaw twitched again and then, slowly this time, the head swiveled back to its original position. Over and over, I returned to the museum to see Bambi and the others. I would stare into the paleo lab for hours at a time, feeling the frantic pull from within the rocks fresh from the field. I knew that as soon as I could get out into the field myself, I would have bloodhound accuracy during each and every dig, as the previously undiscovered fossils screamed through my marrow to free them from their sandstone tombs. I met as many of the staff as I could, until the people knew my face and the fossils knew the call of my bones. That tour guide from my childhood hadn't left either. Every time he saw me, his forehead would furrow with distrust. Growing up, I had felt the hum from others. Always musty human bones in graveyards or other museums. Human bones were not nearly the adrenaline rush of the ancient predators that I was preparing to study. Even the oldest human bones were too young, the pull from their bones too hesitant. When I felt their call whisper against my own skeleton, it was like fingers trailing through water. With the dinosaurs, their influence was like a storm, churning at the waves in me until they were just as dark and dangerous as the gale itself. Their hunger was my hunger. I sighed when I saw that the lab was empty. There had been people occupying it earlier, but they had been engrossed in reconstructing a prehistoric fish skull. I had hoped to say goodbye to the paleontologists before I left for Boulder, but I would have to make do with the fossils themselves. One more night with them would tide me over until the break, when I would thankfully return. There were several hiding spots to choose from when it came to staying overnight in the museum, and more than once I had stolen into a shadowy corner or detailed display to bypass closing time. I knew where all of the cameras were, and there were less than one might expect, so it wasn't difficult to avoid those. 
On top of that, no one really looked for museum stowaways, because none of the staff ever expected there to be any. Twice before, I had stayed overnight with another person. Once in sixth grade, when I had dared Rachel Kyle, my longtime bully, to hide overnight with me, and then again in freshman year of high school, when I had convinced my creepy suitor Stephen Wilkinson to join me. I had walked out of the museum alone both times, of course, after cleaning up the mess. No blood, luckily. Only a bit on some of the plastic bones, but it blended in well with the paint so no one noticed. I remembered the panic scramble after witnessing Rachel's fate, still remembered that much more the premeditated night with Stephen. Garbage bags and latex gloves. I never slept at the museum without them now, just in case. The fluorescents flicked off one after another as I waited, listening. When only the display lights were left on, I stood slowly and shouldered my backpack. The spotlights threw pale angled rays over the fossils, casting their cross-hatched shadows on the walls, so it seemed as though each bone would darkly doubled. I wandered, smiling as the steel began to creak and crackle around me, a wave of greeting. Wake up, wake up! I held out my arms to Dimorphodon, wings reduced to spike bone. I ran a hand over the skull of the Mosasaur, a second set of teeth hidden in the shadow of the first. And finally, I came to Bambi. So small. So loud. Excuse me, the museum is closed. I stiffened, skeleton seeming to vibrate where it was tucked into my muscle. Turning slowly, I ground my teeth when I spotted the familiar face rushing toward me. He stopped the moment we locked eyes. Maddie, he asked with a severe frown. Realization dawned on me that, despite knowing every genus and specific epithet of the specimens inside the museum, I had never bothered to learn the tour guide's name. What are you doing here, young lady? Surely you of all people know when a museum closes. I wanted to say goodbye. He opened his mouth to ask a follow-up question or to tell me off. I will never know. The movement of the steel was very loud now and he choked on his words as soon as the shadows began to shift around us. They pulled and I pulled back. In the deepest recesses of the white honeycombed core of my bones, I felt them. I knew their lives, I knew their deaths, I knew their hunger. My eyes were closed with the ecstasy of it. When my eyes flooded open, the tour guide had fallen to his knees, chest heaving and eyes wide and flicking desperately between the fossils. They had surrounded us, jaws creaking open, footfalls heavy with the metal that supported them, skulls tipping and claws grasping. When the tour guide finally looked back at me, I nodded. Goodbye. The Displetosaurus lunged first, the fossil that it was usually forced to support in its jaws having vacated, the Tyrannosaurus and the Raptors quickly following suit. The natural boundaries between specimens deteriorated when none of the species had anything left to lose. Meat was meat, 
and teeth were teeth. My skeleton was ringing within me as they tore the tour guide apart, and I swayed with the high of it. The blood would seep into the fossils, pulled past the plaster and glue, and into the ancient stones to feed whatever it was that had replaced the marrow at their centers. They would leave the dried husk of the old man, wrapped around bones so new that they would not yet even know how to whisper, nothing but a job for trash bags and latex gloves. Bambi brushed against my leg as he dashed past me. His sharp jaw snapped up a white dripping orb of an eye and bit down, the pulpy juices making his teeth gleam. The years that I was required to spend away studying would be excruciating. But at the very least, I knew that when I returned, there would be a job opening waiting for me. All I had to do was make one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Wanted Tour Guide was written by Ali Hibashi, narrated by Harry Dobby, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Science, Tehran, and Tom Robson. We could not put this show together without your guys' support. So if you enjoyed any or a number of episodes and would like to see the show continue, then head over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. There you can become a patron from as little as a dollar a month and you'll get early access to episodes and then exclusive episodes every single month. And you'll feel extra special because you'll be part of an amazing group of people keeping the other stories alive. And with that, a quick welcome to our new patrons, Kim Sirak, Yasuko Ogeno, Alicia Morgan, Kelly Fenner, and Andy Conduit-Turner. Thank you so much for your support. Once again, that's www.patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. So, until next time. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.